Hey, welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on tap. That's you by Sourceify. I'm your host, Nathan Lesnick, and today we're joined by Brandon, who is the founder of Birthday App. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us. Excited to be here. Good to, uh, always fun to talk about this kind of stuff. So I want to dive in because you've been a founder for a decade almost, it seems like on your LinkedIn. You used to run Showroom and another business before that, and now you're running Birthday App. Give us your quick backstory before we dive into what you're up to now. We get short episodes, so I'll try to I'll try to make it quick. Uh, first part of my career, I was plucked out of obscurity to design the theme parks for Disneyland as a Disney Imagineer, which is a whole wild story. I ended up doing something that got me on TV while doing it. I ended up running the largest creative agency in the U.S. TBWA and Shia Dennis strategy in my early twenties, and then I started. I knew it ended up in tech. I started an interior design marketplace called Laurel and Wolf which ended up inventing kind of home tech. We raised like a little less than, or a little more than $50 million from like Benchmark. It was a, it was a marketplace where we'd pair designers with people looking to design spaces and we'd ship them the furniture. And then got that through a B round, started another company called uh, Showroom, which is a home staging business, which we need 10 of these podcasts to talk about, just like the, the paper cuts that home staging gives you all of your brain. Um, did that through the B and then the quick story was I had a side project uh, around family legacy and people were buying them as birthday gifts and everybody's buying them as birthday gifts. And I called up a couple friends at Snap and Facebook to ask the two biggest birthday sites how birthdays affected the retention. And it turned out it was like very secretly one of the number one, number one, number one ways that people return to it. And so I have now spent about 24 months developing this product that has the best retention I've ever seen, but is about essentially using birthdays to create this daily app with your users. That's awesome. That's super cool. I think in the context of e-commerce, you know, so many brands right now are struggling to grow. When they grew like crazy during COVID when everyone was shopping online. Now the dynamic has changed quite a bit. You obviously have to go out and acquire consumers with birthday app. What does that look like from a digital standpoint? You know, maybe let's explore how that translates for these e-commerce brands, right? Because I think the days of just spending on Facebook or Instagram are gone, and now you really need kind of unique angles to effectively grow. Yeah, I think that's really astute of you to point out. You know, I think we're in the middle of this change from like the wild, wild west of like, if you build it, Facebook will find the people who want to buy it. Um, and something that looks a little bit more like the pre-social internet days. For us, it's been completely organic. You know, we're a birthday calendar. You can send cards on it. Um, if you look in the app store, I think we have something, even the last 90 days, like a thousand five-star reviews. But it's kind of one of those things where it's the simplest idea and it's hardest, it's hard to do simple ideas. And so once you hear, I guess for the listeners, it's crazy. You enter, you put the app in your phone and we know everybody's birthday in your contacts, even if you don't know it already, like it just instantly populates it. And you get a little notification in the morning, like the old days with Facebook and whose birthday it is. And obviously brands can join up, but enough about me. What I think it means to everybody listening over here is we're kind of in this middle, this middle ground where revenue has been shrinking in its way in a lot of places, but profits are up because a lot of people cut costs as soon as Ruby went back to work. And so I think the third part of this, you know, is the super growth shrink but costs are uh, are lower so profit is higher i think the third part is we're going to start seeing a lot of investments from major e-commerce it all starts in the top you see it in the public reports of trying to find customers in more unique ways as it becomes more expensive to use the general channels you know i think we'll probably see a little bit of a return to 
IRL marketing, like events and building communities. There was a great article about it's no longer enough to like be in the right place in the right time for the context, but you also need to kind of have this emotional connection, like how a brand talks. I don't know if you have used Partyful for uh, invites, but Partyful kind of has taken over the whole thing. And it's not right place, right time. It just talks more like how you'd expect these, uh, these things to go out. And I think you'll start to see that be a bigger thing and kind of a consequence of your voice having to match your customer base because I think you're going to see smaller networks, events and stuff start to come back. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, not to tie it back to what we're doing, but there's this idea that we were just trying to build another way for all of these amazing products that I could never build in you know my life to find the audience that they need without having to you know pay six dollars, ten dollars, forty dollars to find them on a general network. It makes sense. Too worthy. And no, it makes sense. I mean, I think like you said, it's really important for any brand to use the tone and voice that their customers are going to be using when it comes to connections. And like even, you know, switching from Polyfill from Eventbrite, you know, Polyfill I think has grown so much and people that host events use it because like you said, it communicates and feels and the tone is like you would expect for that type of event, right? Like, hey, you know, we're we're trying to sell you this, you know, t-shirt or this pair of shoes or whatever it may be. And they're not oftentimes actually like communicating or talking like their customers would. And I think that's kind of like from the ground floor what every brand needs to do. And then it comes to like, how you, you know, make sure you expose yourself to as many potential customers that fit that tone and persona as possible. I, yeah, I think you're totally right. And I think that you actually said it without using the exact word. You know, it's kind of one of these things where you have, you think about you have party friends maybe in your life or going out friends and you have long-term friends, right? I think we're, as a metaphor, the party friends, like you call them when you want a specific thing, you want to go out, you want to do this and your other friends are just always there. I think we're moving from brands doing like party friends to kind of like the long-term friends, which is just another way of saying, I think you're going to see as things get more expensive to do retention being able to re-engage the people that you have with your product to get them to buy more things, to get to understand exactly, or even get the permission to be able to sell them a second thing. And so finding ways, you know, gamifying things was really big for a long time, but like finding ways where they want to hear from you more frequently, and it doesn't just feel like a sales relationship, a relationship that's supposed to show up at this particular second, I think is also going to be where a lot of these new e-commerce software as a service platforms bloom, just finding ways to get these great companies more of a long-term relationship that feels like a relationship instead of just the context of showing up for kind of one type of transaction. Makes sense. I'm curious, you know, as you think about growth at Birthday App, what kind of growth levers have you pulled? Have there been any unique insights? I mean, I know you kind of, you know, have a, a digital perspective. So obviously your margins might be a lot higher, a lot higher than an e-commerce brand in some sense. But I sure. still think that, that translates from growth, especially in today's age where, you know, you mentioned events, you mentioned influencers. I mean, there's so many levers that you could pull, but I'm curious, you know, what's been kind of the main strategies that your team has utilized? Yeah. So for us, the biggest thing has been and it goes to the retention question. Obviously, birthdays. I, you know, I built this thing having talked to my friends at Facebook and Snap, as I said earlier. But it's this idea of they have a need that I know they're going to have every year at the same time. But I also know 
that within their phone book, there's probably about 10, actually the number's 14. There's 14 people that they need, need to not miss their birthday, no matter what the hell happens. And so, you know, we've done, we haven't really done much external marketing. And I think that we might start, I have some fun ideas for that, but we focused a lot on, you know, when you turn, when you ask us to go through your phone book and like find these birthdays, you know, we've worked a lot on figuring out, okay, what are the most important few people in here and how can I make it so you can get out in front of it? And so even little things like a two week reminder or like serving up a fun card that like probably is close to the relationship. We can tell more or less if it's your parents. And so I'm kind of tied this up for everybody else because it's not about us. This is all a metaphor. But we know if it's your parents, we know if it's, you know, your significant other. But I think it's this idea of like finding out where you live in, in your user's life and then just getting tiny permissions to show up in like additional ways. It might mean down the line you get to sell more things. It might mean, you know, down the line that you just stay top of mind longer. But in general, with this, you know, with this stuff, with anything, with selling anything, I think there's this, uh, there's this bias for recency, right? Often people think they're buying like the best product for their, or best solution for their problem, but it's really just what was the best solution that I had last month? It's 14 days. Or like, what did I see three times? And so, you know, it's this little thing of getting in there and like truly being able to kind of talk to them. Um, I also have, I guess this is just like an unorganized fun side note. I also have this long-term theory that if you go into a place where there's a lot of competition, the best way to get attention is to like, is to rank, like rank, be the person who's ranking this like really private space and then find a way to kind of distribute your rankings and you'll end up getting them to connect to your product. But I have a whole list. There's a book called the, uh, it's a 21 immutable laws of marketing. It's super old. It's like, imagine like late seventies, even some of like the words and the examples are like, are, you know, a bit out of date, but it's the best book that I've ever read about how to position in crowded spaces or how to think about yourself. Like we're all relative, like we're all considered relative. There is no objective. Like Brandon is this. It's like, you know, Brandon's the crazy, thing, but that's in relative to the other ones. And so just understanding, I think, how people perceive you relative to the alternatives or everything else and just going hard on making sure that it's very clear that that's how you're to be seen has been very effective for us and just any of me and all my companies. Makes sense. I mean, I think positioning and finding unique angles to get in front of your customers is huge, right? I mean, I always go back to Michelin ties and how they started Michelin-style restaurants because they wanted people to... Yeah farther to get to better restaurants and you know both michelin tires and michelin style restaurants uh, as a ranking system is around today and so i think like you're saying how do you you know create other anchor angles for people to interact or use your products and it you know it's it's such a unique thing that a lot of people don't think about when they're running you know a jewelry brand or a t-shirt brand or yeah whatever. It may be, but if you can, you know, really engage or connect with your community in ways that's going to get them to use your product more, it's a huge home run. I mean, I remember, you know, listening to the the founder of of uh, Lululemon in terms of how he yeah. was engaging with the you know yoga community, and that's where we went. Lululemon's growth is how it became kind of a yoga based brand because he was so engaged with that community, right? And interacting with them every day, whether it be at a yoga class or, you know, selling Lululemon. So I think it's just a unique angle that a lot of people 
misplaced in their journey of finding their customers. And like you're saying, positioning positioning is key to, to scaling and connecting with your customers. I want to dive in a bit to your experience previously at Showroom too, because I think it's so fascinating. Probably a lot of people have questions about that experience yeah. because you were dealing with physical products there. So it has some correlation with how do you get you know, a, a, a piece of furniture, whether it be a couch or chair or dining table to a home to, you know, set it up. Uh, what does that look like? We're showing like owning those yeah. products, we're working with third party, like just to us, what does that look like? Monster, monster. So it was funny, you know, it's one of those, the joke about entrepreneurs is like our biggest strength is that we're just kind of like happily ignorant when we start in any of our ideas. And so I think I underestimated, uh, it worked out, thank God. But so we were essentially, I mean, sell to real estate brokers. I manufactured all of our furniture in Guangzhou, China and South China, Central China. We designed everything from scratch. We moved it. We sold it via our retail platform and we built from scratch our warehouse operations. All of this like at once. And so and if I'm just being honest, my whole background was basically software and marketing before that. And so I was drowning in new things that like, it wasn't even that they were only new, but like I didn't even know where to start. And so it was just a procession of bringing in experts, making friends with them, understanding how they saw the world, and like figuring out what was real, what wasn't. Um, and it's funny, you have to be good at all these things, but it always turns out, I think, that there's only one or two things, you know, it's the old joke, is that like there's gonna be 10 decisions in your in your life that actually have like a huge impact. And then the hard part is you don't know which 10 it's gonna be, more or less. But with us, it turned out that the reason, the two reasons we caught the most hold was we had a very clever way to sell to real estate brokers um, who control the relationships to get new things done, like almost exclusively. And because I had a really clever, creative partner in, in the company, we were designing furniture that was kind of like the cutting edge, like aesthetically to everything else. So everybody else was a couple of cycles behind. And so it allowed us to go into the ultra high end homes and be competitive in a way that even if they wanted to, nobody else could because they couldn't just buy the furniture because they couldn't afford it. And so, you know, this kind of, I always try to bring it back to a framework. Like you do have to learn everything, but the goal of learning everything is if you get good enough at it, you should be able to figure out what are the things that you should bring attention to and what like is nice to be good at, but isn't going to make or break your life. And those are the two things I think that where the finance also became important, but that's, you know, another 90 minute episode. Totally. I mean, I can only imagine, you know, going from a factory selling down job and then, you know, uh, your own business. That's a whole, whole episode in itself in terms of getting the logistics dialed in and then, you know, showcasing those pieces of furniture at each home. I mean, that's that's a lot to digest. I mean, I think, you know, every e commerce brand has to deal with that in some sense. Most use like a 3PL, third party logistics provider, but still, I mean, they work directly with their factories and you've got to verify and make sure. Hey, is this factory legit? And that's, you know, in some sense, how SourceFi came to life uh, eight years ago. It was just, you know, running factory audits and managing production and handling quality control. And it is a, you know, 
it can become a big nightmare and that's why you need people people on the ground so it's uh it's it's always interesting but it's it's clear to see you moved into the you know more digital software space again with birthday app and brandon this was such a fascinating episode of e-commerce on tap thank you for coming on if people want to get in touch and and you know reach out and connect where can they find you where can they follow you uh, where can they find birthday app yeah of course so just birthday.app the easiest uh, URL you've ever heard. I'm Brandon on birthday.app. If you want to find me on social, it's BK Senior. That's BK Senior. Um, and but yeah, Brandon on birthday.app is is kind of the best way to get me. We're working with you know big brands. We're essentially give a little plug. Work with brands. We can five x retention of all of your users. We're talking about getting them to open your app multiple times a week. Uh, by just participating in this and it has a pretty massive effect on on transaction and our goal here like i'm not focused on building products like physical products to sell people i'm here to essentially make it so these products have an audience that can keep going back to and i want to thank you too like i mean you find time to do these episodes and you're working so hard i'm sure it's great to learn from this kind of stuff but uh, you do great work with this so Awesome. Thank you, Brandon. And thank you, everyone, for listening in to this episode of E-Commerce on Tap, brought to you by Sourceify. Please like, comment, subscribe, and we'll hear you next time.